you remember that moment like halfway through the night where after five people left, you're like, this was moderately successful. Like it was a disappointment. I was like, moderately successful. That was amazing. Yeah. And then like 20 more people came. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. <laughs> that, that was a success. <laughs> Welcome to Clocker Connor. This is James Wiseman, and with me is Ryan Young. So today is an emergency pod, and if you're listening to it when it comes out, you're probably thinking it's an emergency pod about the World Championship, which just finished up in Medellin, Colombia. But that is not what we're here to talk about today, because something far more important happened. And I'm trying to think of the best way to set this up. It's all we've been talking about for the last couple hours. But let me try to put it this way. So Ryan, two days ago, you won a World Championship. I won a world championship, got my triple crown, retired on top. We watched a freestyler that we groomed from day one, become a new world championship, become a new world champion. But how does any of that compare to what you saw today? It was insignificant. Insignificant. None of it mattered at all compared to what happened today. So describe to me what happened today. So it is the beginning of the school year. We go out to Duke. And James has armfuls of discs, which I don't know what they're for. And we get swarmed on the field by interested freshmen. How long do you think will... Because for anyone who doesn't know, you got hurt at Worlds. Yeah. So your shoulder is broken. You have a fracture in your clavicle. You couldn't play. So how long do you think Will, Ray, and I jammed before the swarm began? Less than 20 minutes. I would say maybe 10 minutes. So we got in a handful of combos when it all began. And I don't even know how many people we taught how to freestyle today. At one point, I'm juggling five or six people. I look behind me, and Will and Ray are also juggling five or six people <laughs> that I don't even know who they are. Someone came up to me. I was like, I guess I could try to throw you left overhand. I was I, like, <laughs> the craziest thing is there were people who couldn't have even seen us jamming. They just saw us teaching and came up and started playing. Like there was no product that they witnessed. But let's actually go back to the beginning because I do think this is a little bit of evidence for our priming theory, which we may or may not have talked about a little bit before Worlds, but we can talk about it now. So you've been here about a month. And the tricky thing this year was that the school year started with freshmen coming for orientation week and then Worlds happened and then we came back. So we actually missed six of the seven days of orientation week, which I was really devastated by because orientation week is when all the freshmen are on campus. And that's when I've had the best luck recruiting people. And we were gone for almost all of it at Worlds. But we went out the very first day. It was a move-in day. Everyone's parents were there. People were busy. People were roaming, roaming, roaming around. And we only had like two or three people come up to us and ask about freestyle. And I told Ryan, like, today we're just priming. You know, like we... <laughs> We don't, I mean, I think you came with the word priming. We were just like, we don't need them to ask about how to play today. We're just putting in their brains that there's this thing that happens on the quad that is freestyle Frisbee. And as I've told you a million times, like sometimes the floodgates just open. And we were talking about how I'm so stressed all the time at the beginning of the school year because I never want to miss this day. I never want to miss the day when it's the floodgates. And I feel like every day that I'm not there, maybe there's one less freestyler in the world because of it. And you were telling me, no, no, like calm down. Don't worry about any of it. But I think today you saw why it is so <laughs> important to me to try to be out there every day because you never know when it's going to happen. And yeah, today was that day. So after 10, 15 minutes, this group of about five guys came up and asked about it. And usually I'm a little bit 
nervous or skeptical about that because a lot of times when it's a group of people like that, you know, only one or two of them are going to be interested and the power of group dynamics will usually lead them away and they're not really going to stop. This might be that one in a hundred time where all five of them were super into freestyle right away. And they all were the same height, same general description, <laughs> all have basically the same name. They were completely indistinguishable from each other and they all wanted to freestyle and they were all amazing. I just posted a video to Facebook of everyone's delay after it was probably after five minutes. Remember there was four or five of them. So like each one of them had only had a few tries of the delay and you can see how good they were. Also like over the course of the day, when we really had like 15 or 20 people try Ryan, you certainly saw a handful of people, like two or three who hit their first delay on the first try and definitely hit the delay on their second or third try. So it's possible. There are people out there that if you give them the right set of instructions, they can delay immediately. And sorry for the paw print noise. We have a little visitor, Radley, you can be our guest. Um, that's my dog for anyone who doesn't know. So, okay. Where do you even go from here? A couple more big picture points, then let's talk about what we learned and like what worked and what didn't. So I think we added to our group me chat 13 people. So I wrote on Facebook that we have 13 potential new freestylers. I do think we had more like 20 stop but there was literally so many people coming up and learning the delay that we didn't even have time to capture them all. I couldn't even remember people I talked to today. Like I was like, did I already show you this? And they would be like, no, like Will showed me. Like There is too much going on to even keep track of it. But the nice thing is this is a captive audience. They all live there. They're all right there in the field. So if we didn't get them today, we're surely going to get them again. We also had someone return from the first day. So that's a good time. That's always a good sign when someone comes back for day two. And I'd say that 90% of them had over a five second delay where they really demonstrated control and a handful of them were just straight up delaying. Like the, you'll see in one of the, one of the players whose video I posted within five minutes is doing an upside down delay with perfect control. And you also see his very first lefty delay, which he also executes almost perfectly. So that's happening here. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think these are exceptional people. I mean, they are in some ways. They're smart college students. They get to go to Duke. But I think a big part of it is giving people the right instructions. And then it's almost hard for them not to delay. Do you think that's right, Ryan? I think that's true. Because it's almost this great tragedy that we've been trying to teach people to freestyle for 50 years. And we've been using the wrong toolbox. And maybe we finally found the breakthrough thing. Like I just feel like I have this amazing technology and I can just go anywhere in the world and just be like, I can get you to delay in five minutes. And having that ability could be what really opens up freestyle. I mean, we didn't have time to show them. Only a few people got the brush tip full treatment because we didn't have time for that. They were too busy doing the delay. One guy even threw himself backhand clock and was delaying it from his own throw, which is also pretty next level. I'm not sure I've had that happen too many times, but I was so stressed that we missed our opportunity by being gone orientation week, but today made up for it. And, you know, we've had days like this before. Like I was really happy because Ray confirmed without me intervening, went up to Ryan and said, this is how it was when I started. It's like, I am, if you're Daniel or Ryan or other people, you've gotten a call from me where I'm just like, you wouldn't believe what happened today. But today was the first day I have another objective observer (laughs) who could see that this really does happen in Durham. And if we do this, if we have one day like this every year, we are in incredible shape. But I think 
it's going to be more and more every year because I think our critical mass is higher. Like last year, it was just me trying to teach 15 people and I couldn't do a good enough job. But this year, there was three and a half of us with an injured Ryan. And people learned today that I didn't even see because they were taught by Will and Ray while I wasn't even there, which is just something completely incredible. But okay, let's talk about lessons we learned. So one thing I did today that I haven't totally done before is I brought like 30 discs and I just laid them on the grass. <laughs> and I just wanted it to be an open invitation. If you see, like imagine you, if you see a couple of people throwing a frisbee around, you might not come up and ask them. But if you see 30 frisbees on the ground, you're like, something's going on here. Like some kind of event or something. Is this like a couple of people ask me, like, is this Duke? Is like Duke sponsoring this? Like what's going on here? And you know, it was what it was. Like people saw the disc and they stopped. And even at the very end, like it was nighttime and we're trying to leave and this woman comes up and she's like are these three frisbees and i just said yes if you give me two minutes of your time and you learn how to do this one trick and we did it for about two minutes and she got a pretty good delay and i was like does that feel cool and she's like yeah that feels super cool so you never know like that could be a new freestyler who just thought it was a free frisbee and didn't know she was going to learn how to do the delay so i think that really helped. Like you said, you were kind of watching a bunch of people just came up and were like looking at, asking about, like wondering about the disc. Yep. I heard a lot of like, that's a lot of Frisbees. <laughs> and I was just like, you have no idea. We got more where that came from. Um, I also like even more than usual, it was just like anyone who comes up gets a disc. That paid a lot of dividends. Another thing that I've gotten a little more aggressive about, for lack of a better word, but I think it's easier now because we have numbers that kind of like validate what we're doing is anytime I basically made eye contact with somebody who was like looking at us, I said, Hey, do you want to play? Mm -hmm. And almost all of them say the same thing, which is no, no, no. Like, I don't know how to do that. It looks too hard. And I go like, I'll show you. And I just, I left the jam, went straight to them, gave them a disc and just started showing them how to play. Mm -hmm. And most of those people stuck around to keep learning and trying and playing. It wasn't just like, Oh no, like this guy, is now bugging me. He's just like, no, like if you're looking at me, you're interested in what I'm doing. And if you take my offer to show you how to play, like that's a good sign. So, and that's how Will is a freestyler, by the way, which we haven't talked about in a while, but when he first came out, he was just sitting on the quad and he was kind of like looking at me while I was playing. I think I was like maybe even playing by myself. And I was like, Hey, do you want to play? And I think he said no, like five times. And I was like, <laughs> but he kept sitting there and he kept watching. And I was like, Hey man, like, You've been, sit you've been sitting there watching. I know you say you don't want to play, but like, it's really no burden on me. Like I'm happy to show you how to play. And then he finally got up and played and now he's a world champion. So like, you know, read the room. If you don't have the best social skills, like maybe <laughs> you are bothering somebody, but you know, a lot of times people are just shy or they're really nervous that they're wasting your time. But if you show them that you want to give them your time and it's important to you and like you're focused on them, it becomes easier. Like I always learn their names. I ask them where they're from and I use their name a lot. Like, Hey, like Ben, like take this, take this, take this. And then figure out like what is striking their interest and let them run with that. Um, okay. That's one new thing we learned. Second thing we learned, Ryan, I'll throw this to you because I'm mostly talking here as always. What do we teach them here? That's the most important thing. And how to delay. How to delay. <laughs> that is all they need to know. Now you'll see if you look at the Duke method video, especially if I have one person and I have, you know, 10 minutes to spare, I'll show them the delay, the throw, the brush, catch, whatever. 
but the number one focus, the only thing that matters is the delay. And last time we had this podcast about the Duke method, I said, I think I'm right that the delay is the way to go. Like not everyone agrees with me. Now I'm saying I am right. Like if I got a tattoo, I would say I might be wrong. I'm usually very comfortable being like, I don't really know. This is what works for me. Maybe now I'm coming on firm. If you are showing them anything other than the delay, I think you are wrong. I think it is a disservice to the sport. I think the reason the sport hasn't grown is in part because people have been so insistent that the delay is too hard. The delay is too hard. It's not true frisbee. It's all about catch and throw. It's all about this. No, 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 no. If you want to build freestylers, teach them how to delay. People love doing the delay when they first start. That is all we teach people. And unless you have 25 new freestylers crawling all over you, I don't care what you think if you think <laughs> otherwise. Um, delay, 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 delay. Okay. Other things we learned. We have a little bit of a breakthrough in teaching people how to throw a spin. So last time I talked about how the chicken wing is a really good way to teach people to throw a spin. And I'm still holding to that. And Ryan, you saw a bunch of guys throw a lot of spin to each other. Mm -hmm. Today was actually especially impressive because a lot of times if someone does have a problem, it's they're throwing it super far or like at a crazy angle. But today they were throwing it like five feet in front of them with <laughs> 750 RPMs. And yeah. I was like, okay, like I can do lots of cool tricks this way. Um, but I like the chicken wing because you could just wind them up and just like, I will put your body in the right position. Again, I have my no touching rule. Like don't start touching them, but I like show them how to build the throw. I'm like, hold your arm right here, curl it in. I'll make a video about this. And then once they're wound up, it's almost impossible for them not to throw a good throw. So we show them the chicken wing. That's great. But the thing I was like, the next step, I think in the Duke method that I'm trying to figure out is how can I show them how to throw a spin to themselves so they can start practicing on their own early. So the chicken wing is great for them to be able to join the jam and start throwing spin. And it's great if like those five buddies want to keep playing just with each other on their own time, they can throw the chicken wing. But if the chicken wing is not going to help them throw to themselves unless they're, you know, Cindy St. Mary, which they're not. So I tried this new thing that seemed to work incredibly well, which is right after I showed them the chicken wing, I said, okay, like take your chicken wing position, like wind them up for the chicken wing. Now just take your arm and drop it down to your waist so that your arm is straight. And now do the exact same thing you did as the chicken wing. And it turns out, and we're probably going to refine and work on that instruction. But like when I told people to do that, suddenly they could throw a backhand with maybe not 750 RPMs like the chicken wing, but like 650. And I think there's something about the chicken wing that teaches them the feeling of throwing spin, which they can take that feeling and apply it to a regular backhand. And a regular backhand, unlike a chicken wing, is a throw you can learn to throw themselves. So one of the freestylers, Josh, he threw himself a backhand throw and delayed it multiple times a day. So in the course of 15 minutes, he went from having never seen freestyle to self-setting his own delay, which is probably a first. I've never seen that before, even in all the luck we've had and success we've had here. But to me, that's a big breakthrough because if people can throw spin to themselves quickly, they can really take off. Now, of course, I show people the two-handed throw, but I think the problem, like this is almost like no few systems are all gains. Like there's some losses. The one problem with my method is that everyone just wants to copy what I'm doing. So when I try to show people the two-handed throw, they tend to just ignore it and keep trying to do the backhanded throw because <laughs> they're like, 
you know, you're Im- humans are imitators, right? We imitate what we see when we're trying to learn things. Actually, quick aside, I think I learned once, and maybe I'm getting this exactly backwards, but it's something like most animals imitate abstractly and like humans imitate specifically. And it's sometimes to our detriment. So like if you show a monkey in action, they won't do exactly the same thing, but they'll do something like it that gets to the same result. Whereas humans, we do like perfect mirror imitation. So it's like less creative, but it's more whatever. Anyways, I could have gotten that backwards, but in any case, like these people are perfect imitators. They just want to do what I'm doing and they don't care about the two-handed throw. Just like they don't care about, you know, catch and throw because they self-restyle and want to do that. So I'm curious to see how it'll work out and how we can refine it. But being able to get people to throw backhand right away will be great. But like almost everyone threw great backhands today, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? The music. Do we? Yes, the music. So, you know, Ryan talked about last time. I'm starting to remember that we talked a little bit about our first day before in our pre-rolls pod, how like we want to kind of do like A-B testing. <laughs> and it's going to be really imperfect and very unscientific. But you know, today's a great example is like everything went right today. So like, what are all the things that happened that we can replicate? So we had the music box, it was blaring and it was on the classic rock playlist. <laughs> so who knows? It's almost like, I think about this with the world title. Like we were joking yesterday that, you know, we had a really bad Airbnb in, it, in Medellin. And I was telling Ryan, well, like that Airbnb contributed to the win. because like <laughs> everything contributes, like every drop of rain, every butterfly effect contributes to these, you know, big rare events so having an incredible day of recruiting freestylers every little thing mattered and so for right now my going forward it's going to be classic rock whenever we're in the first week of school and you know ryan you were standing by the box and you said lots of random people just came up and were like hey like this music's good and like a couple of people who were throwing a frisbee round just came over to throw near us because they like the music so um, but even if you, it's just a coincidence or you don't like classic rock, whatever, the music box, have the music playing. If you're going to the park and you want to recruit freestylers, don't have your headphones in, like have some known music that everybody knows and likes or dislikes, but it's familiar to people because that can be a big attractant to new freestylers. And that made a big difference today. Any other like random things you thought about or noticed that you think made a difference? The discs were spread out. I think that was important. Like we had 30 discs. It wasn't like in a neat pile. They were like, they looked played with. Yeah. That helped. That's true. It was like a bunch of old discs. I think, yeah, you could almost imagine like if you had a stack of new discs, it might look too organized, like too fancy. But having a bunch of like old discs scattered around, it kind of like indicated to people, these are, these are the loners. Like (laughs) these are the discs that are available for people. It also like invited a chance for personality because I kind of was like, I'm going to put all these discs down. When you guys leave, just take the one you want. And so people could kind of start like personalizing. They're all different discs. Like, oh, this one looks cool. I'll take this one. And I also like, sometimes I cheat a little bit. And like every time someone brought me discs, I was like, oh, this is a good one. <laughs> like, this disc is super cool. And like try to make it seem like, you know, they had picked the, the really nice disc. Um, but one thing I was kind of interested in, which I kind of hinted at before, is... We only jammed for 10 or 15 minutes. And then we had that group of five come up and then group after group, person after person, all these other people kept coming. And I don't know, either some of those people saw us on day one, the priming day. And so like they knew what they were getting into or just 
they saw people learning and was like, that's a cool thing, that delay thing you're doing and wanted to do it. Or I don't know what, but like, it wasn't the act of jamming that was really attracting people. And one thing that actually was kind of a cool moment is like, even the five guys who came up, they didn't see anything particularly crazy when they walked up. So they were, I mean, here's more why the delay is the secret. I think they saw the delay and we're just like, that delay is really cool. I want to do that. So then we spend all this time working on the delay. And then I was like, Hey, let me show you like, cause I think someone asked a question like, so like, what is this for? Like, why do you do this? And I was like, let me show you. And I was like, we do something called jamming and you're just like improvising tricks and trying to do cool stuff. And I was like, well, let's jam. And Will and I jam for like 45 seconds and hit like a cool upside down crow, hit like a couple of crazy moves. And then they were like, oh, wow, like that's what you can do with it. Um, sorry, the dogs are making some noise. But like the delay was the gateway. And then the crazy fancy freestyle came later. And it almost made it more cool and more exciting because they understood the concepts behind it. Hopefully the dogs will. I think it's okay. Will yeah. that. Okay. It's, you know, it's an emergency pod. We're, again, like sitting with a microphone across from each other. Um and less than perfect acoustics. So I don't know if there's that much stuff to say, but now let me do my preaching. So we'll talk more about worlds on the next podcast or regular scheduled podcast. But, you know, I feel like being at worlds for me, was like, we're eating a decadent feast at, in Rome and Rome is burning. Like <laughs> freestyle needs to grow. And if we're putting our energy into competition and routines and winning titles, we're missing the forest for the trees. Like, pick your analogy. <laughs> Taking your dog. No more notes. Um, we cannot be focused on anything but growing the sport right now, in my personal opinion. And if it had been up to me, and I think I joked about this multiple times, as soon as I got to Medellin and saw the numbers of people that were competing, I would have just canceled worlds and said, every single person here, we were going to spend every day going out into the city and teaching people how to delay because that would have a far greater impact than, you know, this, <laughs> the same person getting three more world titles that he doesn't need. So I don't know how to like spread this message any other way, but we can go out there and teach you how to freestyle. We taught 15 people how to delay today. Imagine if every freestyler once a year taught five people how to do the delay. Um, it would make an incredible difference. And in fact, like the first day of Worlds, I spent, you know, 45 minutes teaching people on the roof. And like, weirdly, we were having more trouble up there than we do at Duke. Like, I think people were impressed by how quickly we got like Marta, Jan, and Simony, like kind of delaying. But in my mind, I was like, we do way better at Duke. And I don't, and like part of me thinks it's because they, they were probably exposed to some other method of freestyle learning <laughs> that was preventing them from like fully realizing what I was trying to get them to do. But to me, that's what we should do. Like every world, there should always be somebody stationed nearby who just says, if you're interested, I'll teach you how to play. And if we do that, maybe we can actually save the sport. What do you think? Yeah. I think that's the gateway. I mean, there's something so crazy about like all the top players are spending their time competing in tournaments that no one will remember or care about if the sport doesn't survive. And, you know, 
some players are great about this. Some players are not so great. And it's, I can't judge anyone for how they choose to, you know, spend their free time. I know a lot of us are like working folk and we're on vacation, but the most important thing you can do as a top player, in my opinion, is help new players or get new players. And you can think of it as a responsibility. And if you're at Worlds and you're not jamming with new players, I think that's a bad approach. I think if you're not engaging and talking with people who seem interested, that's a bad approach. And I'm not innocent in this either. I look back and think, man, I was in New York for 11 years and I have nothing to show for it. And if I knew what I know now back then, how many more freestylers could we have right now? And so this is my call. This is my warning. Like we can do this if we just get out there and put in the effort, but okay. But you had a couple other thoughts. So like I, I, this is on my soapbox, but one thing you mentioned is like, you're worried that this is a skill that's somewhat unique to me. You know, like one, you have just like the physical attractiveness, which that really helps. And you have the social skills. And I wonder if this, is a problem, but since it's your Duke method, like you invented the Duke method, I wonder if other people have a hard time just like doing it because it's yours, but that shouldn't like... Like they won't accept it, like some pride or ego or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the social thing, I the social aspect I think is a factor. Like you have to get comfortable looking a stranger in the eye and saying, hey, do you want to do this? And talking with them and like trying to figure out how to see like every person's a little bit of a puzzle and you're trying to figure out like, what is the thing that's going to make this person interested in freestyle? And it's probably a skill like any other that I'm just getting better and better at. So like maybe you just have to grow with mindset, that aspect and say, like, even if I'm not good at it now, I can learn how to get good at this part of spreading the jam. Mm -hmm. I think so when I'm doing it, I'm always like, this is a practice one. And if this person just blows me off, it's fine. And there's going to be another, I just have to put in the effort and there's going to be another person. Yeah. It's almost like first dates or something. First you just have to be like, whatever, most of them aren't going to work out and you've got to just let it the wash thing off you. that impresses me is every time you ask for their phone number, they always give it to you. I've never seen someone turn you down. What was really crazy today is I was like earlier than I normally would, but especially because it was the, the first group was a group of five. There was one person before that, but the first group of five like you never know when they're going to like pick up and leave. And so I wanted to get their numbers early. And also like, because I could see that even more people were coming, I needed to get their numbers before I got lost in the craziness. Cause this is not my first rodeo. Like I knew it was swarm day. And if we didn't keep track of everybody, we're gonna and we still lost them. Like I said, we got 13 numbers, but I think there was probably 20 people today. So what was interesting though, is I, like the kind of like head honcho who was like doing the most talking. And I was like, Hey, like put your number in the group meeting and we'll let you know. And you can always leave it. And not only did he put his number and he just started passing the phone around and everyone just had like, my phone was missing for like 10 minutes <laughs> and it was just being passed around and everyone was putting their number in, which is amazing. But the nice thing about Duke too, is that like, even if I don't get your number, like I still, which I talked about before, like the woman at the end, like I felt rightly or wrongly and history can judge me and in the future might be different standards. Like I didn't want to ask this 18 year old Duke student for her phone number for I think obvious reasons, but like, it's easy enough for me to be like, we're here all the time. We're on this field. You're welcome to join all the time. 
So let me maybe mention like a few like standard things that I say that I think are helpful. So like when I ask for people's number, I just like kind of one or two ways to do it. We use a group me, which is just like an app that I only know about because Duke students use it. So like if you're at a park or city or a community, if you can figure out like what is the way the groups communicate, just use whatever they use. So with the group me, it's easy because I say like, hey, like you can add this number to our group me and we'll let you know when we play and you can always leave if you don't want to. So that makes it a really low stakes way. Like I'm not even really asking them for my their number in my phone. I'm just like, add your number to this group me and you can leave and you'll never hear from me again. So it makes it like low enough stakes for them. But other times that I've talked about before, if I am getting their number directly, which I'll usually do if it's a one-off, like just one person who spends like 20, 30 minutes with us, I say, you know, just, hey, like, if you want, give me your phone number and I'll let you know when we come out. And if you stop coming out, I'll stop bothering you. So like I always try to make sure that I indicate to them, you're not going to be bugged by me. Like, this isn't spam. I'm not like a company. I'm not out like everyone else who wants your number. I will just genuinely tell you when we're freestyling and I'll leave you alone if we don't. And I think that makes a difference. Okay, other random things to do. I already mentioned this. I ask people's names. I think it's important. I like to ask people where they're from, which I think is just like a basic thing to get to know them. And not surprisingly, a lot of people are from New York. I'm like, hey, like I lived in New York for a while. Like, where do you live? So we can like establishing some kind of personal relationship early, I think is very significant. So it's not like it has a two-way thing. Like one, it's obviously the human brain has evolved to develop relationships. Like we are relationship creation machines. So having any kind of connection to someone, any little point of similarity makes it, I think, much more likely that they keep coming out and keep playing and taking interest. Two, I want to, as quickly as possible, not be the Frisbee guy to them. Like I want to be a fully formed human being that chooses to freestyle for fun. And I think because everyone thinks of themselves as a fully formed human being and thinks of everybody around them as just like automatons and, you know, the Truman Show reality TV of Every, the world's all about you, solipsism, it's a philosophical idea, look it up. But like, if I can convince them, like, no, no, I'm not just some weird street performer, not that there's wrong with that, but like, I'm not just a street performer, like doing, you know, monkey dances for you. Like, I'm a person, I'm from New York, like, I've been to the same restaurant as you, and I also do this, it's super fun. So I think that makes a difference. I use their name a lot, I've said that a couple times before, I... Of course, if they're from a freestyle city, I like to be like, oh, yeah, like in New York, there's lots of players in Sheep Meadow to kind of already start planning in their head that, hey, this is normal. Like, hey, where you're from, people do this. It's not just a Duke thing. Uh, but also they can look ahead to know that when they go home for vacation or whatever, they can play there. And sometimes people have seen it before. They're like, oh, yeah, I've seen this in Sheep Meadow. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. So that helps. Another random thing I do, which I was talking about today, whenever someone gets the delay, I ask them, how does it feel? And whatever they say, I go, exactly. Like, that's right. <laughs> so uh, sometimes they say it's cool. And I'm like, yes, it's super cool. Sometimes they say it feels weird. And I go, oh yeah, like it feels super weird. And I think in psychology, this is called like dialectical behavioral therapy. Like you're just validating. It's just like, I'm going to validate your feelings, whatever they are. And hopefully that like helps us bond and makes you feel like heard and seen. Um, I don't know if that makes any difference at all, but I do it. And <laughs> it does seem to light people up a little bit because they think like, oh, I'm doing this right. Like it feels the way it's supposed to feel. So I think that's like a nice little cool trick. Um, I'll make a whole video about the method. I've already made the Duke method video with my friend Love, but I'll make a more detailed one where like I show people 
without like a person standing there because it's hard to make these videos because you don't want to just ask like a stranger, can I film you? Although obviously I've done that, including today. Um, but like one thing I've started doing that I think I've got down is explaining the fake nails. So like basically I'm showing them the delay and I have my whole spiel where I say like you can put your palm up, forearm pillow to the ground, you bend your fingers in. I've been having people rest their middle and index finger on their thumb, which seems to work pretty well because it elevates their nails a little bit higher than the rest of their fingers and like it kind of like forces them into the good hand position which is kind of funny because you don't really delay like that forever but i don't need you to delay forever i need you to delay right now and i think as we've all experienced if you can delay at all you can delay anyway like if you can delay with your pinky you can delay with your thumb so if i can get you to do any delay we're in a good position but when i'm in my whole spiel i just say like because i'm always wearing a fake nail and i just say like you know, if you play every day, you'll mess up your real nails. So we wear fake nails, but you don't need them. And that's it. We move on. If they ask questions about it, I'll answer the question. But like, they almost never do. But I think that's significant because I don't want to create more barriers to entry. So like, I've talked about how before, I think in the old days, like there was almost like weird homophobia about the nails and whatnot. And like, thankfully, I think that's gotten a lot better. But still, like, you don't want to have to think like, oh, I need all this equipment to get started or like, what a pain about the super glue, like super glue sounds really scary to people. Like I have a super glue, a fake nail on, but I'm just like, no, like, you know, we wear them, um, if you play every day, but you don't need them to start. And like, no one ever bats an eye, like basically no one asks me about it, which I think means like they don't care <laughs> and like they don't need it. So they move on. And I, I didn't even say anything about like shortness of nail, like everyone delayed today. There was no, your nail is too short. It doesn't work. It all worked fine. I think you started switching to two fingers. That made a huge difference. So okay. I've been definitely doing that for a few years now. And like sometimes, for instance, people ask me like which finger and, and I just say like, it doesn't matter. One, the other, both. And I will, so I often say like, if you can learn it anyway, you're fine. Like I just said, like as long as you want to delay, it doesn't matter how you do, we'll switch to the right finger later. But having the two fingers, I think I learned that way. I know a lot of other people learn that way. I think there's actually a finger strength component to the delay that is a little bit under understood because, you know, we don't think about it because we delay every day. But I think most people, they don't have the like strength and dexterity and just their index finger to do the delay. So having the second middle finger bolster helps. Also, like your middle finger is your biggest finger, your longest finger, your strongest finger, and it's more likely to be in the right position than your <laughs> index finger is. There's like less that can get in the way of the delay. Oh man, like, we talked so much about it afterwards. We were both so excited, but I just feel like I could wander the earth right now just with disc and just teach. Like I could go to New York and teach a hundred people a day how to do the delay if I had the disc and the arm power to do it. And if every other day one of those hundred people kept doing it, by the end of the year we have you know whatever seventy new freestylers. I did not do that math right. Someone can check it. Um, and there's lots of us that can do this, but the delay has been the barrier to entry to the sport. And I feel like we've cracked the code and we're only on version two of the Duke method. Like we can even get better and better at this, but we went from maybe year one, it's, you know, one in 20 people can get the delay in 10 minutes. And now it feels like one in three people get the delay the first try. And once you're at that point, there's no limit to what you can do in freestyle. I keep saying the same thing, but I just, I cannot say it enough. Like this is the secret to freestyle.
Okay, what else? So what else did we talk about that we needed to bring up on the pod about this? I don't know. I'm trying to think of more <laughs> things we said. We're talking about the... This is the start of exponential growth. Like, at the beginning of exponential growth, it's flat. And it's hard to tell that it's happening if you just have to believe it's there. So I use my favorite Spurs motto. So the San Antonio Spurs basketball team, their motto is pound the rock, which is, I guess, some old fable about the stonemason who's hammering away at a boulder and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens, and then finally it cracks. And the point of it in you know, the context of motivating the Spurs basketball players is even when you don't see progress, it's happening. And then when it does happen, it happens all at once. So I think we definitely experienced that here where, you know, it felt like every year we were, I mean, look, it's only been four years and that's a good thing. Like we're in year four and we're every year we've gotten new players, but the first year was like, wow, what a miracle. Like every player is going to become a miracle that they're playing. And like, we were talking all about the sliding doors that led to Brendan playing, like all the things that had to go right for that to happen. But now it feels like, oh, this is easy. And we can do this every year. Like you said, like we can do this and we can not do it for 20 years and then just do this again and create new players. But there is this great possibility for huge growth. I mean, we saw it in Europe very suddenly, lots of freestylers. Even the beginning of freestyle was like this. Like it sprung up on a couple of college campuses and then there's however many was thousands of players in the U S there's no reason that can't happen again. We could have a thousand new American freestylers in five years. I mean, that's pretty much what happened. Like Frisbee freestyle Frisbee started, whatever you can pick your date to count it in, but you know, the delay wasn't invented until the seventies, late seventies. I know it's a highly controversial topic, but like once it was invented, how long do you think it was before 5,000 people to do it. Not that long, a couple of years. So think of it as starting over. Like we are, I'm calling it like, it's like the reverse that I just, it just sounds dramatic. I'm calling today judgment day. Like <laughs> today is the day, like we are being judges, freestylers. Like, can we make the sport anew? And I think we can. And it started today on East campus in Durham, North Carolina. And if you just try this, and do it wherever you are, then it's judgment day everywhere. And then freestyle could be saved. But I mean, this is, it's so amazing. I was so down about freestyle coming home from worlds and just feeling so unmotivated. I mean, think of how tired we were from traveling. We competed all week. We practiced two days, the weeks before you have a broken shoulder. The last thing either one of us wanted to do is freestyle. And you told me this morning, you were like, once you go out there and recruit, like you're going to get fired up. And I was like, oh man, I can't imagine being fired <laughs> up about freestyle right now. And then we were practically screaming at each other in the car on the way home. Just like, that was incredible. Like, this is so amazing. I don't know. I guess one of the thought we talked about today, which we talked about on the way to, on the way to the gym, but it certainly became relevant on the way home. It's like, we need to be stealing from religion here. Like <laughs> we were thinking like, what? Like, we're not selling something like we don't like what is the marketing strategy that we need to spread our sport like we need people to adopt a lifestyle basically and it's like what does that like religion and like i feel like we are now the new freestyle mecca and like you pilgrims need to come see what is happening here like it was so validating to have you here and be like this is what i'm trying to tell the world like this is happening and like 
more crazy me analogies. I'm thinking about how when they discover the first oil geysers or like gushers, whatever they call them in like Texas, like oil was just like flowing into the ocean. They're like, we don't even have to do with it. Like we can't even pump it all. It's just like flying out of the earth. There were towns that were covered in three feet of oil. They were just like throwing it away because they couldn't like drill it and refine it fast enough. That's how I feel right now. Like I'm just throwing freestylers away <laughs> because we don't have the bandwidth to take them in. But like if there were more of us doing this and more of us out there, we could eventually catch up and like reach that point where freestyle is just exploding. Like there are people who want to do it. There were so many people who did today who just wanted to freestyle. So they're out there. It's not like part of me has thought for the last years, we're one in a million people. Like there's just not that many people that want to freestyle. Today is the kind of day that makes me think that's wrong. Like there's lots of people who want to freestyle. They just need someone to show them in the way that enables them to get there fast enough. Um, so yeah, I'm super fired up. I'm worried I'm going to start sounding like some crazy, like cult figure. Like <laughs> if next year you see me and I have like long hair and a beard and I'm just like raving in the corner about teach people the delay, I'm sorry, but it's working. I mean, we already have one new world championship or one new world champion as a result of this like new approach to teaching people. And I think there's going to be many more. So if you're out there and you want to win a world title, you better do it ASAP because there's about to be a huge influx of amazing freestylers coming your way. And they're young, they're good, they're ambitious, and they're going to spread out all over the world because they're going to graduate school here and they're going to go wherever they go. So look out for them. And yeah, anything else you can think of? No, that sounds good. Okay, well, if we're proven wrong or become raving lunatics, I'm sorry, but I think for me anyways, like, if we have a 50-person jam here in 10 years, I will look back on this day. It's like, this is the day I knew freestyle is going to survive. Like, maybe that's what I've been looking for. Like, today is the first day in I don't know how many years, like 10, where I'm like, okay, freestyle is going to be fine. And it's just from a single day in Durham. And it wasn't about any of the other stuff. Like, forget all the other stuff. Forget the worlds. Forget competition. Forget the judging system. This is the only, only, only thing that matters. And if you care about freestyle and want to see it grow, this should be your focus. Okay. Anyway, sorry that it was like more preachy, but hopefully if this reaches one person, I've done my job. I'm like, <laughs> I will do whatever it takes now. Like, I don't care if I become a fool. We're going to keep doing this until we save the sport. Cool. All right. With that, we'll have our regular podcast next week. Hopefully we'll uh, do a whole world recap. There's tons of stuff to talk about there. Lots of crazy storylines. We definitely, there's, there's a ton to talk about worlds and we promise we'll do that next week. But like I said, this is the most important thing. So that's what we did today. And with that, we'll talk to you next time. Check us out at clockercounter.com and see you next time.